Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I'm your host, Tina Hopper, an FDN practitioner, author, mom, and IBD advocate. Tune in each week for real-life advice and strategies for becoming your happiest and healthiest self, all while thriving in the gray area. Trust me when I say, you can have your carrots and cake too. Welcome to the Carrots and Cake Podcast. This next episode is going to be a fun one. I have a special guest today, Amanda Gilman. She is the founder of AMG Snacks, and she's actually a local entrepreneur. She's from Pembroke, Massachusetts. Um, and I had the pleasure of meeting her, I guess, maybe a couple years ago in person before COVID. And I have been following her journey with her snacks for a couple of years now. And it's so exciting to see them in stores and um, coffee shops and things like that. Um, so I'm really excited to have her here today. We're going to talk all about her energy bites, um, entrepreneurship, starting a business, like the whole bit. So I think you guys are really in for a treat today. So Amanda, welcome. Um, and before before we before we officially started, we were talking, you know, behind the scenes, um, and we were just talking about how interesting her story is as far as creating this brand, creating this product. Um, so I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to introduce yourself and share a little bit about how AMG Snacks originated and maybe some of the motivation behind it. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for having me. I know it's crazy to think back that we met. I think right before the pandemic mm-hmm. um, at one of the coffee shops that now I sell to. So it's exciting and to be here on the podcast and talking to you about the growth since then. But um, just to give everyone a background, yeah, um, like you said, I grew up in Pembroke, so local to the South Shore of Massachusetts. Um, I, after I went to college on the North Shore, actually, Merrimack College, and after I graduated, um, I worked in finance. I worked in Boston for a year and then moved to New York and worked at an investment bank uh, for 10 years. So, so, you know, we talk about my food company, but really my background is finance, very different. So I, I think that that really, the fast pace, the intensity of finance, uh, very analytical, um, it gave me such a good baseline uh, career-wise. I really wouldn't, wouldn't have changed this path. And then you know, while I was there, I, um, you know, was traveling a ton towards the end and had long days in the office. And um, I just started making these snacks for myself, healthy snacks. I think when you're in that fast paced world and environment, you kind of look for that outlet of health and you're sitting at a desk all day or running around. So, um, you know, I'd go to my workout classes when I could, and then I would make these snacks. So I was just looking for something with clean ingredients. Um, it's, you know, and this is the turn of all the, all the protein bars coming out, the trends of all of that. There was, you know, Cliff Bar, Luna Bar, RX Bar started to come out and um, I, w- I would get those. And then, so, you know, read the ingredient list, some things I understood, some things I did not. So was a little bit confused about all that. And also just wanted a portion control snack. I didn't want some meal replacement. Some of these bars can, can really turn into more of a meal. So I was looking for a portion controlled snack. So I started finding recipes and, and, you know, also Instagram was just starting to come out. So you'd follow all these influencers or food influencers and, I found one basic recipe um, of the peanut butter chocolate, which is my top seller. But, 
you know, it, it's made with just the simplest of ingredients, dates, oats, and peanuts. And then um, I added vegan chocolate chips, dairy-free chocolate chips, and um, some flaxseed in there as well. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed and I had fun with it. I tried so many different recipes, different flavors and brought them to my office and, and kind of kept making the ones that people would eat. And then the ones that were not, you know, the flavors that didn't, weren't such a hit, um, put those on the back burner. So that, it really was an organic idea for this company. And I started, you know, making these snacks, eating them, portion control, like I said, so smaller in size, softer in texture than some of these bars. Um, as a side note, I do have TMJ, which is just a jaw disorder that your jaw clicks. So chewing anything, you know, too chewy or too tough really exhausts your jaw. So something soft in texture, portion controlled and clean ingredient were my three main things. And I just made these uh, for myself, for my coworkers, and everyone loves them. So I started to think, you know, what would it be to, to start a business from this? Um, and it felt really organic. I had kind of always thought about doing my own thing or, or starting my own business, but it, it, there was nothing clear in front of me and I just didn't want to sit and brainstorm ideas. So this felt super organic. And um, I just started researching one thing a day. I said to myself, if this is going to happen. You got to start somewhere. So one thing a day, how do I create an LLC? Uh, first of all, what do I even do to create a company? Is it an LLC? There are corporations out there. What, what does this need to be structured like? Who can I find in my network to answer that question? Uh, in the food world, you know, what do you need to do um, to even have a product out there from a... Um, you know, a board of health standard, uh, you know, FDA, like, what do I need to do to get this on the market, uh, nutrition labels. So just all these different things, then, you know, a website, how do I even create that? What kind of platform should I be looking at? Uh, branding, and just, um, I would say over the course of probably, uh, you know, nine months to a year, I just, kind of on my free time, looked at all these different things. And then finally, all of a sudden it was like, I have a website, I have some initial branding that I could definitely at least print these labels and put it on my bag. And it kind of felt like the timing was right. My lease was ending in New York. I just really wanted to take the leap. It was one of those things. And I approach most decisions like this. What would I regret more? Mm -hmm. I imagined myself kind of 10 years down the road still in finance thinking, oh my gosh, what if I did this company and it was something big? So I said, you know, if that's, that's what I'm thinking, then I'm going to do this. And, and whether it works out or not, I'm going to do that and be able to not have that regret. So that's kind of where it all started. Um, and and I, I left my job and spent the next couple of months moving back to Massachusetts and setting all, uh, everything up before launching. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so much. <laughs> yeah, it seems like just a lot for one person to take on. And I mean, you know, obviously as a business owner as well, like I've been doing all of this, you know, for 14 years. So it's taken a lot of time to build this all up. But I mean, it seems like, you know, you did this in, you know, nine to 12 months, but like, where did you get, I guess, I mean, part of it was timing, but like, where did you get the confidence to, you know, quit your full-time job and just go it all in on this? I mean, was it just a confidence in the product because it was so good and everybody liked it? Or is it just, 
I just need to do this now because I won't know <laughs> if it's yeah, coming out I or not. It was a combination. I, I really loved, I felt myself over that time while I was starting to think about uh, launching this or creating my own company. I found myself really loving brand stories. So I would find all these brands and I'd been doing it probably subconsciously for years, um, you know, going into stores and, you know, in the health world and following these brands as they grew and listening to the, how I built this podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, so I listened to all of that and the stories and all these people, you know, it's not, you listen to their story and you hear the brand, what it is today, you know, it's not, um, wasn't always like that. Some of these people really, I don't want to say like hit rock bottom, but they like have to scramble to figure things out. Um, I remember listening to one and, and they had produced all these products and then they went on the shelf and they were mold. So like, you know, you hear these crazy things. So I knew it wasn't going to be so easy. I think to be at my desk thinking all day long, like about the company. So I knew it was time. Uh, it wasn't fair to, fair to my company and it wasn't fair to me to kind of be so miserable myself and like not give them everything. I knew I needed a break either way. And I kind of had a confidence of, I have all this experience uh, in the finance world I could always get a job again if I wanted to. Um, but in order to really focus on something and see it grow to the you know best ability or or, or however you want to say it, um, you needed to take that time just to focus on that. If you're focused on too many different things, I just don't think it'll ever get to where you need it to be. So I knew like, let me just give this six months um, and, and kind of see see how I feel after that. Is this viable? Is it not? Um, I can get a job back in Massachusetts. I knew I wanted to be here anyways. And it was kind of my, my time was in New York felt done for me at the moment. So it was a combination of just, you know, got to focus on this company to see if it's really going to be something. And, um, and I can always get a job if I needed to with my background. Um, I will say, you know, I tell a lot of people I had uh, worked obviously 10 uh, and then plus a year in Boston. So I had saved money and I had really put myself in a position where I was able to take this leap of faith. Um, I have funded this company myself. I didn't get any investors uh, prior to launching. So I really had to look at my whole uh, you know, position and, and think about my own expenses and is this viable and how long can I actually do this? So I really, again, kind of back to, I wouldn't change this or go a different way. I worked so hard for so many years to put myself in a position where I was able to do this, um, which, you know, I think is important too. It's not like I just, uh, you know, was like, all right, let's do this and didn't have a plan. I did kind of have that plan as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was actually one of my questions for you because that's like a big, scary thing when I think, people go from a full-time job to working for themselves. It's like, where does that stream of income come from? You know, if you don't have right. a regular paycheck anymore. So it really is a really important to have some sort of savings or some sort of business yeah. plan. So you know how to make money um, because yeah, that's like one of the, the hardest pieces of, you know, getting a business up and running. Um, right. So you quit your finance job, you move back to Massachusetts, you go all in on the business. Um, what was like the biggest surprise for you when you started this thing, you know, full-time? 
Yeah, you know, I think that I never thought, oh, I have this all figured out. So I knew kind of going back to the whole, like, I didn't want to get any financing or investment prior because I wanted to really launch and learn and not have, um, you know, I feel like a lot of these brands launch and they have all this fun money that they've raised and they feel like they need to spend it. So mm-hmm. I kind of opposite of that wanted to learn and make hard decisions around the finances. Do I really need this? Do I not? And really learn from that. Um, I also really wanted to get into these small local stores to listen, you know, be able to talk to the customers, see what they're thinking, do they like the product, and kind of have affirmation from what I've heard from coworkers and friends, but really kind of like test it in the market. Like, is this something? Because I hadn't really done any testing. So, you know, here I have this just like great product idea that everyone's like, go launch this company. But I felt like I need to do like a testing phase. So as soon as I launched and, and doing that, you just learn every day something. Um, so it's, you know, it's shifting and, and kind of launching on a small scale. So you know that um, you can pivot at any time and, and change and shift. I think so many different things I learned from flavors I thought would be popular that weren't as popular to um, the whole packaging world and things that need to be positioned and, and sizing on packaging to um, sales and marketing and getting into the bigger grocery stores and how you need to be prepared for that. Um, and so it kind of just grows and, and shapes into something different every day, but I'm constantly learning and trying to figure it out. I think, you know, I, I don't have a background in food. Um, my background's in finance. So I knew there was going to be a ton of things that I would learn and have to figure out along the way. But I will say like the one thing that, probably is the most challenging for me to navigate is the marketing side of it just something that I never you know as a brand get your brand out there how can we market it how can we communicate it to people I think it's huge I think people really um, need to know about a brand and what it represents and needs to be in front of them in order for them to buy it so I think you know, I'm always trying to figure out how to get my name out there more, the product out there, because once people try it, they love it. So how do we get this into the hands of more people? And that comes with marketing, which wasn't my background. So I've had to lean on some people to help me with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I hear you on that. <laughs> it's a very big part of being your own boss is how do you get the word out? Um, so I love that you've kind of just, you know, paved a path for yourself, figured out sales and production and, you know, operations and logistics and like the whole bit. Um, Were there any resources or um, business coaches or anything like that, that you worked with over the years to kind of help um, with the vision? I would say definitely. Um, I, so I would say being an entrepreneur um, or running your own business, everyone thinks it's so exciting and so fun, which it totally is. You create your own schedule and you're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants and doing Mm -hmm. it all. But at the same time, it can be a little bit lonely, just in the sense of you don't have things, you know, to bounce ideas off of constantly. And, and so for that, I really leaned on my network to just figure out, okay, I need um, kind of just an idea or just to talk to someone about this thing I'm thinking about or problem I'm having. So I found that 
you know, opening up my network. And when you really have like a specific thing um, or question, people really will help you with that. I think I've found like broad networking, just trying to meet people and, and kind of get general advice. Uh, it's great. But when you have something specific, people are happy to help you and happy to find some expert or someone they know if it's not them directly to help you. So I've really leaned on my network to kind of help me with the things or holes I feel like I need to fill or even just kind of to bounce ideas off of over the years. Um, and then also resources. I mean, one of the big things about my company is production, obviously. People say to me all the time, oh my gosh, do you make these as well? And the answer is no. I knew right away if I was going to be in the kitchen making these, that would take all of my time. There would be no growth. It would just be probably burnt out exhaustion from making these myself. So I immediately, when I moved back to Massachusetts, I spent six months um, researching what's called co-packers. Um, so these are kitchens that uh, take on multiple brands, usually similar product types. So they have like synergies in the machines and the ingredients that they store and just the certifications, like if, you know, just common sense, someone making a granola is not probably going to also be packing meat. Um, so it just, they have all these synergies. So I ended up finding a co-packer in Plymouth, Massachusetts that, well, actually they were in Middleborough at the time and they moved to Plymouth. They've grown so much. Um, and so they um, were producing granola they had bought this granola company, kind of streamlined the process. So they started taking on other brands with similar ingredients. Um, and it's a way to really help small businesses grow. So this, this co-packer, um, you know, they, they're producing their own product. They might have days where there's not demand in that. So they fill it in with other brands and it really works out for everyone. And then it becomes this scheduling out of production, which is great. So they're, you know, fully booked for probably, I would say two months at a time, they have it all scheduled out. So they have all the food certifications, they have the um, employees, and the staff to produce these uh, products, and they have the equipment, um, whether it's, you know, producing the the actual ingredients or packaging them and, and you know, the, the best by date and everything you could think of. Um, they really are a great partnership for small brands to make this all work. So I found that through, I think I just was on the Massachusetts um, like government website and just got lost in, in researching all this, found them and then uh, had to have meetings with them and, and work through my recipes a bit just for, um, you know, more mass production. How can we streamline this to make it more efficient? So that has been um, huge. And just researching myself, trying to figure all, all this stuff out. Um, and that was, um, that was probably the best start and the way I could scale up pretty quickly. And then from there, I've really just found different through connections or, um, you know, meeting other brands and them telling me things that they've done, some resources, um, you know, some, uh, some places I, I was in a grant contest for entrepreneurs for all it's called. Um, and there's a lot of things out there where you can just apply and be in this community, talk to other brands, talk to other entrepreneurs, or 
they'll, um, you know, these, they're set up to kind of provide you resources to get it on the email list. Um, so they really, there's a lot out there. And then the last thing that I, I did that I really enjoyed was through Babson College and Santander Bank uh, called Cultivate for Small Businesses. Uh, it was a program. It was three months and we met uh, once a week. And it was all Zoom, obviously, because of um, the pandemic. But you meet and they brought in a different um, person for a growing a business, like a, a topic. So one week was, you know, legal. And what do we need to be thinking about from a legal perspective? One week was, you know, finance and dealing with balance sheets and all of that. Um, it was really helpful uh, just to make you think of all these different aspects of the business, whether you've thought about it, you're going through it or, and, and then, you know, meeting all these other people and being able to have discussions about it. I think that was probably the most helpful. Um, and then you can call those people, you know, or have you, have you dealt with this issue and kind of get advice from people. So, you know, I think there's a lot out there for people, whether it's dealing with other companies that are going through the same things or different resources, just kind of, you probably find through your network or a little research yourself. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like having that network and community is key because somebody's done it before in the past, you know, you don't have to like recreate the wheel for yourself every single time. So it's nice to have right. somebody that's gone through it and they can kind of point you in the right direction or point you towards, you know, the right resources. So I love that you were able to do that. And that sounds like such a great program. Um, yeah. So you mentioned the pandemic. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about that just because we met in person and then the pandemic happened. Um, but really, how did that impact your business and your whole plan? Yeah. So um, I launched in December of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and then two months, basically two months later, we were in the pandemic or the start of it anyways. Um, so I will say, you know, I tell people a couple of things, good and bad, you know, I had launched and because I had, as I said before, you know, really just wanted to go out there and test the market. I didn't have this whole, you know, this whole large inventory. I was kind of producing based on demand and what I expected. So I was able to kind of know that stores weren't going to even take on new product at the moment. They were basically just operating to be safe, keep their employees safe and keep what they had on the shelf stocked because obviously there was a massive flock to the store to kind of to get all these items and stock up because no one knew what was going on. So, you know, you want to be respectful of all that. So I started just going to, you know, the grab and go places, the coffee shops, which kind of were in my plan anyways, um, and where people could really find my product and uh, trial it, uh, up by the register, grab it, you know, it's a packaged item. So, so it's, you know, everyone feels safe taking something like that. And then, um, you know, a lot of these coffee shops and they started doing ordering ahead and, and they were busy, um, once things opened back up. So, you know, um, a couple of juice bars I was in, uh, Bella down in, in Plymouth, they were busy and they were selling a lot. Um, so that was great. I mean, I liked getting into these, you know, great stores locally to really get the product into hands of people. I was doing online sales so people could find it there. And then 
I didn't, I took back a step back from any bigger retail kind of uh, goals and just said, I'm going to focus on all these, you know, more local places for now. And also I went and got non-GMO certified, which was on my list of to-dos and, um, you know, just, just things like that. Like after launching my to-do list was getting longer things I need to research because I was learning different things. So I kind of, it gave me time to do that. And then, you know, with the co-packer, I didn't, I was, you know, lucky. I don't have this big uh, space I'm renting, all this equipment I had just leased out. It was a really um, just placing an order based on production and what was um, needed. So I didn't, you know, I didn't have all these bill overhead bills that I really needed. So I feel grateful in the sense that I was set up the way I, I am because otherwise, you know, a lot of these places, if they um, had to pay the bills at all these facilities and they couldn't produce or whatever it was, um, you know, I wasn't set up that way. So I was able to keep going and pushing forward. And then once the things, everyone kind of said, okay, we're going to be in this for a while. We got a grasp on it. I started reaching out to bigger retailers to try and get in there and get that process going. And it's a long process. It's not you know, you, you got to find the right person to give samples to. Um, some of these bigger stores have category reviews when they can even review your product. Um, you want to get on that schedule. You got to get some marketing programs together to present to them. What are we going to do for promo for the year? It's a whole plan. So learning that whole world and being prepared for it um, as I did start entering retail. But that really didn't start happening until I would say... Um, May or June of of this year, so um, so yeah, it was it was kind of a long road with the pandemic, but because of how I was set up, it wasn't um you know so so negative. Yeah, so let's talk about that whole process of getting into retail locations because obviously yeah. it was kind of a grassroots effort. I mean, I've seen you at all the local coffee shops. I actually saw your products at Slack Time this morning when I was getting yeah. my coffee. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm talking to Amanda later today. Yeah. Um, but that whole process, because now you're in some whole food stores, very, very exciting. Right. Um, very but what did exciting. that look like? Because I mean, you, you kind of mentioned it there, but I mean, um, I didn't realize it, you know, there was so much involved. Yeah, there is so much involved. So, um, you know, I think my goal is to get into like even these independent stores um, that I, I thought probably didn't have as much of a process like a Whole Foods, um, you know, Good Health in Hanover and Quincy, a great store to get into there. I mean, I really wanted to get into all these local stores to create some brand awareness when I did hopefully get into, you know, bigger retailers like Whole Foods, people would recognize me on the shelf. Um, so that was kind of my strategy there. But I would say, for example, Whole Foods, I started talking to um, the local coordinator in this area who I was introduced to, um, I think, right before the pandemic, because I remember I sent her samples. And then she told me that I had to send them to her house instead because the office shut down. So it was literally like as everything was happening. So we're talking like a year and a half ago and I just got in. So I think that it's persistence and um, without being, you know, too crazy annoying, I think you got to be persistent. You've got to prove yourself and show that, you know, I am a small brand, but I'm out there. It's selling. I can handle 
growth and scale. And I'll be able to, you know, if I do get into 24 Whole Foods stores, will I be able to, you know, fulfill those orders and be on the shelf? I think that's probably a major uh, concern for smaller brands as they grow. Can you handle it? So just a lot of conversation back and forth, a lot of pricing talk. Um, and, you know, I originally, as you're small, everything costs more. Once you grow and you can buy things in bulk, you can really drive your costs down. Um, so initially the price was too high. They gave me that feedback. So I went through a couple rounds of review before they, and they were giving me feedback. And then finally, um, I think in June, she said, all right, we're ready to, and I, um, a whole nother side of it is when you distribute to these larger stores, you know, all these small stores, you can ship directly or deliver yourself. Now, when you go into the, to the larger stores, you have to go through what's called a distributor. So if you think about a grocery store, they're not ordering weekly from all these brands. You know, if, if things are running out, they just want to order a case or a fillet. And so they order in bulk from uh, a couple of distributors. Um, most of them go through probably two or three distributors. And these distributors buy from brands directly. So they're the intermediary. Um, so they deal with the buying of the brands and then they have stock and then they go to all these stores uh, weekly, some of them daily, depending on what kind of product it is. And they um, fill the orders. So when I was originally talking to Whole Foods, I said, you know, I, I'm not in any distributor. I learned that that's, a, you know, a big deal to get in just operationally. And um, finally, I found one that I got in with. That kind of helped with the Whole Foods too. As soon as I got in with them, um, the account manager there reached out to Whole Foods and said, we now carry this product. So it's even possible to be put on the shelf. And it kind of went from there, but that was in June. And so then you, you're sent to all this paperwork and you got to get set up on their platforms and you got to send in the product so they can take pictures of it so people can, they can put it in their system for ordering. It was a lot of background work. Um, when she said June, I'm like, great, I'll be in by the fall, September. And uh, here we are in December 1st. So it takes, you know, a lot of time, a lot of persistence, and just, um, you know, you got to push through and know that it's going to happen eventually. And you can't get down about it because it takes time. Because as soon as, you know, they're like, all right, you're in Whole Foods. I'm like, yay. And I'm telling everyone. And then they're like, well, where are you? You're not in there yet. And now it's six months later. <laughs> so it's a whole process for sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's definitely, that goes a lot into it, but it's also so inspiring to hear all of this because, you know, like you said in the beginning, like your background was in finance, like you just kind of had to figure out this whole food business world, definitely, um, definitely. but it's also really impressive, like how much you've done in basically like two years. So yeah. obviously hustling. Yeah, I tell people, I feel like this was my real first year. I think the first year I launched it's like a pandemic and things mm -hmm. are crazy and I was learning a lot, but this year feels like my first real year, but, um, but yeah, it's a lot. And I will say I've met um, some some kind of consultants that I've, I've uh, developed a relationship along the way. And I operate myself. It's just me as a full-time employee here. But I do hire people on a freelance basis now that I've grown a bit um, and kind of use that method to um, get people and use like consultants to help me with the pricing or, or the promo strategies and things that I'm not as familiar with. Um, I want to come in strong and, and learn and know kind of what they're looking for. So 
through my network, I've met, you know, people who kind of consult on that. And then um, on a freelance basis, I have people help me with photography and marketing. And, and you can really find a lot of people out there that love to work with multiple brands. I think it's more interesting for them. And they're able to kind of have this setup where they may work with five to 10 brands a month. And uh, it's more exciting and fun for them. And they're able to kind of use different um, skill sets to different industries. And then they're helping, you know, all these small brands kind of grow. So it's been super helpful to hire people on that kind of basis, being such a small company as well for some guidance there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So loving your story. (laughs) It's very inspiring. So for somebody who maybe they're thinking about doing something similar, starting their own business, they're sitting at a job that they just don't like, and they're like, there's got to be something else out there. What type of advice would you give for somebody that wants to embark on their own business? Yeah, I would say that for me, um, going back to, if you're sitting there thinking about something, whatever it is, um, start researching and talking to people and learning about it. Uh, If it's something unfamiliar to you, you wanna get as much knowledge or information before actually making that leap. Um, Talk to people if it's food in the food world, if it's real estate in the real estate world, try and expose yourself to as much as you can to learn about that path and what it takes and, and really dig into your network or, or kind of talk to people, friends, family, coworkers, and find someone that you can really chat with about it and get some knowledge. And then from there, if it's still, you're like, all right, this is still what I want to do again, you know, one thing a day. Like, I think for me, it becomes, it became super overwhelming when I was like, I want to be a company that's a household snack food brand it's like how do I even get there what does that look like that's crazy um but if you break it down and say okay what can I do today to to be better positioned tomorrow it's one thing a day um so you're not so overwhelmed and then you'll look back and you're like oh yeah now I have okay these steps and now I can move on to the next step so it's really kind of breaking it down and making it feasible and reasonable to even have a starting point if you do want to start you know somewhere um small and 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 try and build it like I I did you know uh, start myself and learn and 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 go from there so I would say you know talk to people and then one thing a day to move to the next step yeah I love that one thing a day because yeah it is so overwhelming I think about myself like creating new products or new programs and you think of that big picture and you're like oh my gosh like where do I even start but yeah picking one thing a day and then also kind of like the reverse engineering where you you know figure out what the end goal is and then try to work backwards sometimes like that can be really helpful um because yeah if you're looking at like the big vision it's like where do I even start I know for me, it's like, I have one employee, obviously, like, how do I ever get to a point where I'm hiring the next full-time employee or 10 full-time employees? And then that creates this whole, like, then I have to provide them healthcare and do payroll. And it's like, oh my gosh, so overwhelming, but you'll get there and you'll figure it out. um, And just take one step, one step a day. I kind of keep a list. uh, It's like a short list of what I need to be doing today or tomorrow. And then a bigger kind of future list. So I kind of stay on path. Do I want to do flavors? And I kind of keep those active in my mind, but not necessarily like a 
today or tomorrow thing too. So as you kind of grow into that, uh, you want to stay on track, but also be thinking about future things as well. Yeah, hundred percent. That's exactly how I work too. Um, because it, it does feel good to, you know, accomplish things and check things off your list. So you keep that momentum, but yeah, looking at like the bigger picture, like quarterly or, you know, what you want to achieve by the end of the year, because again, it can be just <laughs> so yeah, overwhelming. Yeah. So um, what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? I mean, it seems like there's a, a lot going on, but you know, yeah, there's the a lot part? going on. I, um, I love being busy constantly. I love having like tasks I got to do and accomplish. I think that um, if I have things going on and you're doing it all, you're doing the sales, the production planning, the ingredient sourcing and ordering and you're doing it all. So I think it's great and rewarding to be able to do all those areas. It's also great to figure out what you're good at and what you need help in and kind of find that help if possible. I think it's really good to be self-aware and know what you're great at and what you need, what you need some, um, you know, outside help in. Um, but I love, I think the, the best part and why I keep doing this is when people try my product and say, that's great. It's such a good product. Like I wouldn't do this. I'm not a very salesy person. Um, you know, it's, it's really, it becomes an easy thing for me when I, when I hand someone my product, they know that it's a good product and people love it. So hearing that from them and from people um, really keeps me going and why I did this and started this anyways. Um, it's great. I mean, I get random emails from my website. Um, you know, this is the best snack I've had. Please keep making it. And it just like it means so much to me that someone took time out of their day to go on my website and submit that to me that I'm like, I got to keep doing this. This is great. People love it. Someone out there felt uh, driven enough to take the time to do that and write that. So I think hearing that is really the most rewarding and best part of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And your snacks are so good. So let's yeah, thank you. talk about them a little bit, like the flavor sure. and whatnot. I am a yeah. big fan of the espresso ones. I think those are delicious. Yes. And big coffee lover. The strawberry ones, surprisingly, I'm usually not like a fruit person, um, but they're really good. But what other flavors yeah. do you have? Yeah. So uh, just so, so everyone kind of knows, these snacks, um, Energy Bites, as we said earlier, are made with the simplest of ingredients. So dates are the binder, then um, that's the um, all-natural sweetener. Um, and then uh, they have nuts in them. So we use cashews, peanuts, and almonds. Um, and we do use actually pistachios and hazelnuts in one, uh, or in two other flavors. And then we use um, oats as well. So those are the three main ingredients, dates, nuts, and oats. So you have your healthy fats, your protein, and your fiber. Really simple to get all those balanced ingredients in there and keep you full for longer um, and really nutritious. And then from there, kind of um, to the flavors, I looked for things that were lower in sugar because we already have the sweetener from the dates to really kind of boost the flavor. So looking to, for the strawberry, it's freeze-dried strawberry. So it really gives that flavor like a pop without, you know, adding in, you know, another heavy, heavy sugar aspect of it or, um, or any kind of flavoring too. So 
that um, that one's very popular. I have some accounts that just take that flavor on because they love it so much. Uh, one hotel puts that in their mini bar. Um, and then a couple of them have vegan chocolate and then peanut butter chocolate and espresso and chocolate coconut. The chocolate coconut tastes like a healthier almond joy. Mm-hmm. And then um, lemon coconut, that's become super popular for all those lemon lovers, uh, a really strong lemon flavor. And almond chai, which is a big um, fall flavor, uh, chai flavor, and that's just spices, um, you know, cinnamon, cardamom, clove, ginger, all those chai flavors. And then, like I said, chocolate raspberry, which has hazelnuts and cherry pistachio. So eight flavors in total. Um, And, you know, stores take on whatever they think personally their customers will love, or sometimes it just depends on what the buyer likes and thinks will sell. Uh, but I would say most stores take on probably three to four flavors max. Um, and and then it's nice to have a different, you know, offering of flavors and, and different nuts in them as well. They provide different, you know, nutrient uh, benefits from the different nuts. So really just keeping it simple, but trying to add kind of different flavors um, across the board. Yeah. I mean, I love all the flavors. <laughs> They're so good. Thank you. And then, <laughs> I also love that they come in a two pack. So there's some nice yeah. portion control there because with things right. like that, I mean, I could eat like six of those in one sitting because they're so good. Yeah. The little two packs, like perfect when you just want a little snack, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I didn't, I launched um, with the resealable bag because I used to keep them on my desk and I wanted something that was resealable and I could have one and save it for later or while traveling. Um, and, and then people started asking me, like, would you ever come out with a smaller two pack? And, um, that's become so popular Mm -hmm. just for those true, true on the go needs. And also trial people will try them, um, and then maybe buy the bigger pack, or I have a couple of platforms out there that I'm in, you know, some snack boxes and it's great for a trial. Um, and I've learned through talking from other brands, individual packets, whether it's, you know, a nut butter or, um, a true grab and go snack type of thing. That's been really great for brands for trial. And then they'll eventually buy the bigger bags as well. So that really, I think I launched that um, probably six months after I originally launched. That wasn't a part of the original launch, which was uh, kind of cool to develop that out and see it go. Because now that's great. And, you know, coffee shops, I'm in every um, Cafe Nero in Massachusetts, which has been great. And up by the register, everyone kind of tries it and then they'll find me somewhere else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I see you all the time. I mean, I hit all the coffee yeah. shops around here. So <laughs> yeah, all different I'm always places. at some coffee shop. Yeah. Um, so one more question for you, just it's, it's kind of a personal question, but you know, this whole idea of entrepreneurship, starting your own business, doing all the things like you could work all the time. And I, I have been a person that works all the time. So how do you set boundaries or how do you find a good balance between, you know, all in on work and having a social life? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, I think um, a lot of people hear these stories or, or whatever, and just hear the kind of the upside to being an entrepreneur. There's also, you know, really it's tough mentally. You always want to be doing better and pushing yourself. Okay. I'm in this store. Now I want to be in that store or you come, 
it's really highs and lows. Like I tell people one day I'm told I'm in Whole Foods, the next day I'm told that the distributor I just got in is going out of business. So I need to find another one. So I think you're constantly problem solving and highs and lows. It's not all highs. Um, you get told a lot, a lot of no's. Um, and I've kind of learned that doesn't necessarily mean no, it's just not right now. Or, or some, sometimes you don't know why that person's saying no, they don't explain it. But I think keep pushing forward and just, you know, someone will say yes eventually and can learn from those situations. Um, but in terms of shutting it off, I do think that's challenging for me. Um, I think that I'm always and have always been kind of working actively around the clock. I think ever since email became on your phone, it became this, you got to answer at all times. So I became accustomed to that in the finance world. So it is hard for me to to kind of shut off. But I think that like anything, um, if you're focusing on multiple things at one time, you're not going to be great at any of them. So I try and say, okay, if I'm going to go be with friends or family, like I, I'm going to shut off the business and really focus on my time with them because otherwise I'm going to be half in, half out doing a, a poor job at my company. If I'm trying to answer some email while listening to them talk. So really kind of saying, okay, I need to separate these times. Um, if I'm with these people, I'm going to be with these people. If I had a crisis, of course, I'll step out. But I think kind of separating that and not trying to, to do multiple things at once, really taking that time for yourself. And then when you're in your company and focusing on it, and sometimes that might be at night or on the weekend, that's fine. But if you can be flexible as an entrepreneur and you might have a couple hours during day where you can go see a friend or grab a coffee that's great but then focus on them so I try and just kind of separate the two and and be present because otherwise you're just kind of you know lost in both worlds mm -hmm. yeah being present is key and I think that's probably one of the things I really learned this year in 2021 was slowing down yeah. and just being present because yeah the business can consume you and I mean, you could right. work on it forever. You know what I mean? There's always something. Forever. <laughs> yeah. And you get to just say, what are my goals this week? I want to accomplish mm -hmm. them. Uh, what's top priority? I always prioritize things. I kind of in my head have what can be pushed next week or, or whatever it is. Uh, you, you need a to-do list. You need to prioritize it. You're not going to get to all of it. You're not going to get to everything. Um, I think appreciating the small wins is huge because otherwise you're just kind of constantly beating yourself down. Like you got to appreciate where you're at, take a step back and, and, and know you've come a far away and you probably still feel like you have a long way to go, but it's okay. And you'll get there eventually. Um, if you're working hard and, and working at it, that, you know, the time to kind of separate and, and, and be with, you know, your friends, your family, your loved ones, whatever, that's okay. Um, so really just trying to separate that out. Yeah. I love that you called out, you know, just celebrating the small wins because mm -hmm. yeah, like you said, it's like a, a roller coaster. Like some days oh, yeah. amazing and you're like, I love this job. I'm awesome at my job. And then the next day you're like, everything sucks and the sky is falling. Like, oh yeah. I had so hard. Like yeah. So it is important oh, yeah. to kind of look back and, you know, see what you've accomplished and what you've achieved and really celebrate that. I mean, I, I'm not that person who celebrates. So I think it's, yeah, I'm not 
down either. So people remind me, but I try and remind myself because, you know, you, you do, you started this business for a reason. And if you don't appreciate it along the way, it's, you're just going to lose the reason you even started it and not have fun. So you have to. A hundred percent. I totally agree with that. Well, this has been awesome. It has been great catching yeah. up with you. So before we close, where can people find you or find your products? Yeah. So um, my website is amgsnacks.com. You can find us there. Um, we're also on Instagram at amg underscore snacks. And then I have a store locator on my website, but, um, you know, for all those across the South Shore, we're in tons of coffee shops and juice bars. Um, as we said, Lucky Finn, Flack Tide, Bella, Good Health, um, you know, loads of them across the South Shore. And then starting to get into more retail, so Whole Foods locations, uh, mainly in Massachusetts, but we're in um, you know, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island as well. And then we're in uh, Roach Brothers and Brothers Marketplace. Um, so there's plenty of places you can find us and you can check out my website and to find a, a location near you um, and find us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Love hearing what people think of our product, um, any feedback. Uh, lots of people recommend new flavors for the future and, and things like that. So we love to engage people and, and hear what they have to say. So please reach out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. It was yeah. awesome chatting with you. And yeah, definitely check great. out thank you for having Amanda's me. energy balls um, or any energy bites. They're so good. Um, like I said, the espresso is good. The peanut butter is good. The strawberry is good. The chai is good. They're yeah. all good, but uh, yeah, definitely check them out. <laughs> Thank you so much.